Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Green and Milner Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. And what a season it has been. Sam Milner and I are here to discuss everything in terms of the 2022-23 season. Our main highlights. We've also got a little glimpse into the future for 2023-24. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Newcastle Fans TV. And we are here to discuss everything. Sam Mona, how are you? Good. It's nice to be doing this again. Um, for those of you who don't know, we tried doing this a few weeks ago and we pre-recorded it and it was terrible. So why not up the stakes and do it live? Uh, so here we are. Um, Johnny, you've already had to change one of your selections because your dream signing for next season, which we'll come on to, has already gone to Real Madrid, which gives it away. So, uh, but anyway, it's been it's been an amazing season, and um, we've left this too late. But still, it's going to be uh, great fun to uh, talk about what has been the best season in years. Some would argue, for you, from a certain age, it's probably the best season they've ever experienced, and it will probably be the elder fan that will be saying, "Yeah." That's what that's more like it. That's what it used to be like back in the good old days of us, the Bobby days, the Kevin Keegan days, the Joe Harvey days, if you're at that age as well. So there'll be so much to look forward to in the future if you're a Newcastle United fan. And someone's it's not one of it's not one of me or Sam that's put the dream team. It's probably Carlito, probably, or Lee Lawler, one of the two. But hey ho, we'll see what happens anyway. Um we've got twelve categories to go through. Let's so let's get this started, Sam. One of the first is player of this season, and I'll let you start with your player of the season for 2022 23 and it is? Uh, well, it, it's quite simply, it, it's Bruno Gimarias. Um We have not won a game without him since he's joined us. We've not won a game without Bruno. So um, that's why I've gone for him amongst many. There's so, so many candidates, isn't there? The whole squad is a candidate. Um, Trippier obviously made the official um, Premier League team of the season and got Newcastle's player of the season and you've had so many so many, I mean you could make a case for half a dozen at least and, and I wouldn't be able to argue with you because they've all been amazing and I just feel like maybe it should come from midfield because I mean the games they've won for us this season has just been immense and we've been down to the bare bones at times, particularly getting on towards the end of the season and they've um, they've held firm and uh, yeah, super, super Bruno for me. But you've you've not agreed with me and I'm not surprised. No, so, and I must put, make this clear to everybody listening. We did these separately. So we didn't do it together. I'm going to go for this player. I'm going to go for this player. We, we, we literally, we've gone like, these are my picks. These are your picks. And then we've gone, oh, this was the same. Or this wasn't the same. And we're debating. But mine is Jill Linton. And I know there's, there's a few few fans that agree with me. There's a few fans that agree with Sam. But I just think, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I think Jill Linton's been the most consistent midfielder this season. And I think that's, and that's a testament of how well he's done. And when you look at some of the midfield players that we've had this season, again, Newcastle haven't lost many games. They've lost, I think, five games all season. And what a transformation. And he, he, for me, when you look at where he was two years ago, and Lee's rightly saying what I said, it, I would have sold him for 10 million two years on the trot. But for me, 
he's so important to Eddie Howe's style of playing, how Newcastle United are, especially in midfield. He's almost, I wouldn't say he's the first name on the team sheet because I think Bruno is because of the added importance of Bruno. And Trippier. Yeah, well, again, as you've mentioned, so many candidates. But for me, I think Joe Linton has just been exceptional. Some big, big games against Man United at home, Tottenham at home, Everton away. I think he was, I thought he was magnificent in a cup run. Yeah. Against Unplayable against on his day. Just part yeah. of the fairy tale, isn't it? And he will yeah. forever be Kieran Clark's legacy in football. Yeah, which is mad. Because you look at it, I think Kieran Clark was a good servant for Newcastle United. And I think people will probably go and take the mickey a bit out of him. But what it did do is it allowed us to show that Joe Litton is actually worth £40 million, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. And At again, con- congratulations to him for reaching the Brazil squad and getting his first goal on his first on his first yeah, first game as well. You know, me and Lee were outside Rochdale and we were debating whether he could score against Rochdale in Scotland. Now he's scoring for Brazil. It's just, it's remarkable. It is a fairy tale. It is a fairy tale, Sam, but... Kieran Trippier got the nod by the the club. No yeah, arguments. No arguments. No arguments. I think the you know the stats will probably back that more than anything on, on Kieran Trippier, wouldn't it? Yeah, and rightly so. Best right back in the league in the Premier League uh, this season. Uh, and yeah, you can't argue. He's he's been absolutely immense for us. What a leader. Started it all. First name through the door. Post takeover and carried on. Just immense quality on and off the pitch. You can't argue. You couldn't argue if someone said Sven Botman. You couldn't argue if someone had said Callum Wilson for eighteen Premier League, uh, eight, eighteen goals this season. Amazing. Almiron was on fire for large parts. Just shame he got a bit of an injury when he did, and you know, stuttered after that. Um, Fabian Chair, immense. Dan Byrne, what a what a absolute horse of a man. And you know, towards the end of the season, Longstaff Willock. Incredible, yeah. and Nick Nick Pope as well. Yeah. My word. Um, so yeah, you you could. Where do you start? Where do you finish? This it's this team, man. This team, this this squad has been absolutely amazing, and only going to get stronger. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Remember, we've only got seventy five million to spend, so we need to make sure that we look after every single penny, Sam. On it. Mm, quite right too. Financial fair play. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Let's move on to goal of the season. I'll start with this one. It was a game that Lee Lawler loved, and it was courtesy of me because I couldn't go with the game. So I missed this unbelievable goal at Craven Cottage. Miguel Almiron. Oh, what a ball from Bruno, by the way. It was a, yeah. it was almost it was like a little it was a little little I'm trying to think of the fifty eight degree golf club wedge over the top. Almiron left foot. It, it, it shocked me when I seen it first time. I was like, that's a Mig- Miguel Almiron scored that, but that was the beginning of his purple patch, Sam Muller, and what a magnificent strike. It was. It was an amazing goal, the technique on it, and uh, we've got a clip from the vlog of that day. Never say never. Well, that's game over for me. 
Two nil up. They're down to ten men. How many do Newcastle want to go and get now? Bloody hell, what a ball, man. Newcastle. Yeah. That, 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 that a lot of these clips for the goals are basically Lee just going, fuck you know. But that's what it's been like all season, Sam. Not yeah. just the Fulham game, so many different games, but it, it was remarkable. That Fulham game, I remember Lee sending me loads of pictures saying, wish you were here, kind of attitude. And it, it was it was a game that I really do regret and not going to, but it is what it is. I've been to so many good away days this season. Same oh, as you, Sam. Likewise, incredible. isn't it, Lee? Incredible away days. Which that could have been a, that could have been a topic on its own best away day of the season. Well, but... it more or less is later on, possibly. But yeah, for for moment of the season. But yeah, that that that's a tricky category, or isn't it? But yeah, Miggy's Miggy, of course, won again, won the official kind of club goal of the season. Um, mine, I think, um, was maybe forgotten a little bit because it was early on in the season. I don't know why it's been forgotten a little bit because even on the players' picks, everyone uh, on on NUFC TV, everyone seemed to forget about it. And it and it's Alan St Maximum versus Wolves, which the the technique, the control, the finish from a game we were going to lose to a game we almost could have won in the last minute of Elliot Anderson, and we've got another clip from the vlog of that day as well, where me and Lee were in a very buoyant away end. <laughs> to myself on the internet but it kind of went out the window during that celebration I just love how little when Lee goes out of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) it was it was it was though it was out of nowhere Um, a long looping aimless ball up from Murphy I think it was and Huang hooked it away and just the, the control and technique of that finish to like nine times out of ten that goes over the stand and it's ended up in the bottom corner past a very good goalkeeper in Jose Sarr. Whew, what a finish. And for, and for me, that I, I just can't believe it's been overlooked. Can't believe it's been overlooked. One hell of a finish. Amazing goal. But again, there's been quite a, quite a few brilliant, brilliant efforts. Miggy, Miggy could have had the tri-cast of, of, of brilliant goals with Everton, Villa and... Um, I liked his one against Spurs. I think a very underrated one was Callum Wilson against Man City. Uh, Alan Maxman with a through ball, outside of the boot finish, beautiful. Um, Wilson against Everton, there are more. Cher against yes. Forest, first day of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of the Spurs game, I'm thinking of two goals, the Murphy goal where he just hits yeah. it and he costs a goal three and up and then the Will, bit more the assist with Willock and the finish from Isaac, but... There's so many, as you mentioned, Sam. It could have been absolutely anything, but 
Sam's gone for ASN versus Wolves. And ASN's going to get a mention again because this is performance of the season. And me and Sam have both agreed on this. And it was that Alan St. Maximum performance against Manchester City. Absolutely incredible performance by, for a number of years, Newcastle's most influential player. And now we've got quite a few of them now, which shows which shows where the, the club are going in terms of an upward tra- trajectory. However, that performance, Sam, against the best team on the planet, you know, Pep Guardiola doesn't go down on his knees, scratching his head and covering his uh, covering his eyes with his hands for no reason at all. It was he was he was unplayable on that day. Yeah, no one could stop him. Absolutely no one. We obviously met him the day before that game in the Metro Centre when we had him on the pod. Um, I'm not saying it was anything to do with that performance. Our, our kind of little chat with him after we'd finished. I don't want to take the credit. I don't want you to take the credit. So let, let's just give yeah, all the no, credit. You certainly to... wouldn't want that. You certainly no, want absolutely that. not. Um, one of the most incredible displays you'll ever see in a black and white shirt. Plain and simple. I mean, Manchester City did not know how to defend against him. He got a hat-trick of assists because he won the foul for the free kicks. I'm giving it him. Um, he was absolutely unplayable. Unplayable. Nobody in world football was stopping him that day. Absolutely immense. There's, you'd run out of superlatives. One of the, and again, because it was so early on in the season, you you tend to forget. Trippier's free kick could have been goal of the season. Um, yeah, stunning performance. It's just a shame. Obviously, he went in after that game. He went into the game against Wolves, got the my goal of the season, and then from that picked up an injury which kept him out for a month or two, which is just so frustrating because. That's the story of a season, really. You just think you, you're getting somewhere with him and bang, picks up an injury. It's, it's absolutely gutting because that performance, you just think, wow. And that could happen again in like the Champions League. That's his stage next season. I don't think he will go. He doesn't want to go. I'm not paying any attention of guff that we want to sell him because I don't believe for one minute that we do. So I'm looking forward to to seeing him evolve once again. And I think this is this is do or die now next season. He's got the stage to do it on. He's got Champions League football. He told us on that day he wants to play Champions League football f- for Newcastle United, and he's going to do that. So let's see what he's got. But that day, incredible. My, my only gripe with Alan St. Maximum is that we didn't see more of those performances last season. And yeah, so that's, that's what I mean about stop-start, stop-start with injuries, and it's just absolutely gutting for him. I think I, I I still think, and I don't think that the club will never admit it. But I think if they get a good offer from this summer, I think they will sell him because his stats doesn't match up. Only one goal this season, which it was arguably goal of the season. But I like I, I love Anthony Maxim, I really do, and I do think he deserves an opportunity to have a season with Newcastle in the Champions League. But it would not surprise me if Newcastle sold him for a good fee. But we'll we'll see, we'll see. I personally wouldn't sell them, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, let's move on to game of the season. Now, normally in recent years, it's probably one of about two or three at most, at, at the extreme most now, you probably could have said a dozen. And we probably would have missed out a few more after that. That tells you how much of a good season it was. Um, Sam, I'll let, I'll, I'll, I'll let you start on this one. Yours is quite sentimental, isn't it? It is. I, I am a sentimental old sod. And, and again, there have been so many games this season um, where, you, like, were you there moments? Were you there when we did this? Were you there when this happened? 
And let's not forget, some games this season, we've absolutely destroyed teams, battered them. 6-1, 5-1 twice. Um, 4-1. That could have been 5-1 three times had Fabian Scher's goal uh, stood against uh, Everton. Um, all incredible, incredible games. Um, but yeah, the one I've gone for is 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 through sentiment. Um, and it was the 2-1 win um, at home to Wolves because it was my son's first game. And um, it was his first time at St. James's Park. And it was a day I've been waiting for the whole of my adult life and um to finally take my lad there um especially post mike ashley as well um it was it was a day that will live with me forever and and his favorite player is almiron and we were in the east stand that day towards lee's corner and you know almiron got the win at that end not like pretty much in front of us so it was an incredibly special day for me so that's what tips it but you know that that's not going to be on um, anyone's list, really. Although I will say it was an important win. It was a very important win. I'd, I'd, I would argue, I would argue that that was the most important win of the season because it started the run again. We, 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 look, at, we look at that patch in from October. <laughs> that is true. Adam's just put on comments. Samson has beaten more games than Liam. That is true. That is 100% true. Uh, but we'll move on quickly um, but that win was huge that was really really huge because we obviously as I mentioned had that patch from October to the, uh, the World Cup break even past the World Cup break to an extent before kind of Sheffield Wednesday came along and you know we had a bit of an upset an upset there we were the story of the FA Cup third round day but the games leading up to the Cup final the Cup final Man City we were, we were kind of in a bit of a rut and that and that and that win was massive. That was huge because Wolves are a, a, a what's the best way a bogey team, if you like. Not in the sense that they're going to they don't although they've got they've got a good record in Newcastle. They're just a really awkward team to play against. They, they, they don't have many they don't have many thrillers. There's a lot of one nils, nil nils, one ones. They're probably regular last time match of the day, but they're very very tough to beat. And to beat them at that point to take us into Forest into Manchester United, into Tottenham, into Brentford, into West Ham, et cetera, et cetera. That was a huge win and a big, big win uh, for Eddie Howe's Newcastle United. Mine was part of that run. 6-1 Spurs. 1-0 after a minute, 2-0 after 5, 3-0 after 8, 4-0 after 19 and 5-0 after 21 minutes. Every time you went through on goal, we were going to score. And I remember the, the, the third goal caught me by surprise just because I didn't think Jacob Murphy would score from 30 yards out. But the fourth goal, I'm already, I'm doing like a, I've got my fingers in the air as Isaac's running through because you just know he's not going to miss. The fifth goal was just incredible. For me, that was the moment I knew this team would get into the Champions League because they had that determination. When I look back now, that was the moment for me because... Spurs were meant to be top four candidates in the world. They weren't. No. We were miles, miles better than them on the day in every single aspect. Yes, Spurs were a bit of a mess and Spurs were being Spursy that day. Just but, Newcastle United, but Newcastle United certainly weren't. Newcastle United were a top four team that day and they certainly showed it that day. Um, there were so many good performances. Joe Linton was immense. Willick was absolutely incredible that day. Isaac was so difficult to handle um, from, from, 
from his Tottenham point of view, when Callum Wilson and Miguel were on the bench and scored, well, linked up to score within a minute of them, a minute or two of them coming on. That's how good it was. That is literally how good it was. You'll never see it again. It was just, you'll never see them scenes again. And I wasn't there that day, and I think about it a lot. On the flip side of the emotional answer I just gave about my game of the season, my son was the reason why I couldn't be at that game because he had his first football match of his own that day. So I was I was in Telford somewhere watching the game on my phone whilst watching my son play. <laughs> um, what, was the score, what was the score when you left the when you when you left that um, park where your son was playing? What's the score at that point? Uh, it was just before half time. Oh, really? So <laughs> I watched. I watched pretty much the whole <laughs> of the first half on my phone, and then I got home just after Harry Kane scored early in the second. I can just imagine you coming, Kill, Kill. It's five nil. It's five nil. Newcastle. I was. Um, I was. I was stood. I, I, I was. I was on the sidelines, uh, and I celebrated the one nil, and um, we were stood next to a. Um, one of Charlie's teammates' parents. Um, the dad was a bloody Spurs fan, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was that was very funny. He had his head in his hands for he had his head in his hands a lot that afternoon. Um, you know what it is, Sam? We've been there. We've seen Newcastle beat oh down over the years, and you just think, yeah, how nice is that? <laughs> Yeah, it was it was incredible. Like you watch the scenes from that game, and it's just even like when the players, like when Isaac scored, was his uh, was it number four or number five? And he's just like, "What the fuck's going on here? This is this is ridiculous." If it was a boxing match, the ref would have stopped it. It it would have been waved off after twenty five minutes or whatever. Um, <laughs> Incredible. But I will say this, it's quite fun. Well, not well, it might be funny, I don't know. The amount of time the, the amount of times we've battered teams this season and we've got such an amazing defence. We've never kept a clean sheet in one of these batterings, have we? So it's five one, six, one, four, one. Yeah, oh, yeah, come on, lads. <laughs> Keep it's not it like tight. Of clean sheets at, it's not like they had loads of clean sheets at the start of the season and took like a team ten. No, games I just I just, I just I just find it a little bit funny that when all these teams were bad, we've just had to concede that one that one pesky little goal, which, it, which don't get me wrong, it doesn't take the shine off it whatsoever. But, you know, it, we've had some incredible games. Like, I had so much fun at um, Everton. We had a great night at West no Ham, problem. didn't we? No problem. What? For Everton, no, no problem. It's absolutely fine. Glad you enjoyed yourself. Oh, you weren't there, were you? Yeah, I for, I for, I, I, yeah, I forgot that. How um, did you get there? But I drove. Um, but yeah, we had a great night. Ticket, at West... Yeah, I, I, I had. We had a great night at West Ham as well, didn't we? After that was rearranged, and like you know, six months later, there we were on a, it. Was like Thursday night, something like that. And then Friday night in Nottingham, me and Lee had a great time. Um, how yeah. happens in Nottingham stays in Nottingham, all right? What a two-one win! Yes, please. <laughs> Last-minute penalty. I couldn't watch. Away end was buzzing that night. It was that was rocking, and then like um, you know the cup semi-finals away at Southampton on a freezing cold night. Me and me and Harry never got back to like half three in the morning. It was worth it because 
Yeah, it was because like road closures and whatnot. We were driving through the sticks for most of the way back from Southampton in like minus eleven in the middle of fucking nowhere with like low batteries on our phone. But it is it's it's part of the it's part of the adventure, isn't it? And this is what we do. Um, but yeah, as Lee rightly said in the in the comments, we've actually we've absolutely finished Hugo Lloris this this season in both games against Spurs. After the uh, the F up he made for Wilson's opener at the Tottenham Stadium to to that first half where he was well he just threw did he throw a paddy or was he just taken off for his own good or whatever happened I think he, I think he, I think he, I think he lost his cojones I think so yeah yeah step in Fraser Forster <laughs> I like Fraser Forster I like Fraser Forster. Sign him. Well, no, we've 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 um, we've got Mark Gillespie still, haven't we? Now for the the old uh, token third choice. <laughs> I think that's being polite. Um, let's move on to unsung hero. I like Mark Gillespie. Hero. Mark Gillespie would be a candidate for unsung hero. He's in every. He's there every match day, not in the squad, helping the keepers warm up. He's obviously great to have around. Uh, you know, good on him. Moving on, unsung hero. Um, I'm going to start it off with Fabian Scher. Everyone talks about Stone Botman. Everyone talks about Kieran Trippier. Everyone kind of talks about Dan Byrne positively, negatively, because obviously there has been moments at left back where you go, could you have done a bit better there? But people have to remember he's a, he's a centre half playing left back. And for the vast, vast majority of this, of that, of this season, he's been absolutely incredible. But for me, Fabian Scher is a player that couldn't play in a two for Newcastle. He couldn't. We all agreed that he couldn't play mm. in the two. Now, I know he has better players around him than what he did before, but he certainly proved everybody wrong. He certainly proved everybody wrong in terms of him being a, a good centre-half playing in the two because he always thought he needed an extra man. Um, look, for, for me, he started all off at the start of the season where we weren't getting anywhere against Nottingham Forest in the second half and he, come out, he came out with an absolute thunderbolt and it started it all off and you could relax a little bit. We got the second goal and since then, he's again, he's barely put a foot wrong. You know, when the team's had an off day, generally we have lost the game when we've had an off day, but he's not had many off days at all in a black and white shirt. And I think the reason why Sven Botman has done so well is because he's got a Fabian share next to him. Uh, I, I just think he's been so instrumental to that, that young lad's performances, if you like, just kind of because we always talk about. This in comparison with Stephen Taylor and John Allen Boomsong, because it should have been John Allen Boomsong helping Stephen Taylor, and they're both flourishing. Fabian Cher is doing what Boomsong should have done all those years ago with Sven Botman, and they're both flourishing. And to concede, <laughs> the, to concede the same amount of goals as Manchester City as a, as a, as a team, Fabian Cher has been played a massive, massive part. What a buy for three and a half million pounds and deserved his contract extension last year. And I hope he gets given an opportunity in the Champions League games as long as he stays fit because he certainly deserves that chance. Yeah, I can't argue. Can't argue. There's loads of candidates for this as well, same as player of the season. Cannot argue with the thing you said. Agree with it all. Again, one of these players that were going out the door under the previous regime was finished, done with. Um, Dusted himself down, as the previous regime used to say. And uh, showed the quality that that we knew he had, but this time in a in a back four and 
fair play to him. You, you, you just you just can't argue. You just cannot argue. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not the one I've gone for, but who have you gone for, Samuel? Well, the thing was, towards the end of the season, he was sung, but um, my unsung hero was a player that I like another one that was probably through the door, out the door, under the previous regime. But I've I've stuck with him through through thick and thin, and that was that was Sean Longstaff. Um, just because you hit bad form doesn't make you a bad player, which was my argument all along with Sean, and he's been through the mill. He's had some horrendous injuries since he first broke into the team under Rafa. He's been to hell and back mentally because head turned by Man United, terrible injuries, um, losing his place under Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce didn't really value him, I think it would be fair to say. Um, wasn't getting the the nurturing he needed. And he, again, he's another one that's come back and you don't know what you've got until it's not there. And my word, when Sean Longstaff wasn't in that team towards the end of the season, you knew about it. You really, really did. So, yes, we need a couple of midfielders through the door this summer. But that's just for strength and depth and and competition for places. And like Willock and Longstaff still have a big part to play next season. Um, regardless of where whether they start 10, 20, 30, 40 games next season. So, Sean Longstaff, for me, fantastic. I think there are others. Um, I think Graham Jones is an unsung hero. I think um, Jamal Lascelles is an unsung hero. The way he t- continues to captain our club with pride and honour, not getting the, the minutes he deserves. When he has played, he's done well and not been a disruption in the team. Um, pride and honour. And he's... You know the team's reaping the rewards of rewards of what he's been fighting for for years now. Um, Matt Rich is another one. How he's brought on Anthony Gordon and and his influence off the pitch. Like remember the only leaders we used to have were Lascelles and Ritchie, and now the team's full of them. And Lascelles and Ritchie are still playing a part behind the scenes. It's no wonder Ritchie's been offered an extra year. And and so many. If you've seen the end of season content on. Um, NUFC TV, the club's official um, YouTube channel or whatever. So many players shout out Matt Ritchie. So many. Bruno, um, Anthony Gordon in particular, were the two standouts for me. We all know what happened at the end of the... It was the Brentford game, wasn't it? When Gordon looked like he was going to throw a strop and Matt Ritchie got in his ear and diffused the situation and brought him on. And Yeah, fantastic unsung heroes and Gillespie as well he's there every game helping out with the goalkeepers warming them up um, there are others there are so many others Willock second half of the season fantastic slow start to the season but second half of the season fantastic um, yeah incredible incredible but yeah for me it's got to be Sean Longstaff um, just an absolute Geordie Newcastle fan through and through living the dream. Uh, Jacob Murphy as well. Played in all yeah. but one. Jacob yeah, Murphy I, as well on Sun Hero. Yeah, I, I just want to throw my kind of a couple of thoughts on Sean Longstaff. There was the argument at the start of the season. It was because it was Bruno, Joe Linton and somebody else. And Willett got the nod uh, against Forrest. I always said Sean. It did. I think I think because mainly when we had this debate, generally speaking, like, and Lee 
won't mind me saying this, he wanted Sean Long stuff to go. I think he said that on camera several several times. I was very in your own back on him throwing you under the bus about you selling Joe Linton for ten mil. Exactly, exactly. We've all said stupid things on camera, but uh, I, for me, I was always on the fence. I, I always felt there was a player in Sean Longstaff. I was just wondering if we could get it out of him. And Eddie Howe deserves so much credit for Sean Longstaff's impressive form. And we did miss him against Aston Villa in that first half. We were getting absolutely battered. We were getting tugged, and we were thinking, "Wow." That just shows how much vast and a vast, yeah. vast improvement Sean Longstaff has had in this team because we were like, "What? When's he coming back? How long is he going to be out? How long is he going to be out? We, we, we need him back. We need him back." He didn't make the next game. He didn't play against Arsenal. Was he going to play against Leeds? No, he didn't play against Leeds. You were thinking, "I'd ah, be fit for Brighton," and he was just about fit for Brighton. And as soon as we got over the line, he was out. So you could tell he was playing with an injury and, and doing everything that he can with the team. Again, playing with better players helps, but being coached helps even more. Because, yes, you've had your Bruno for 99% of the season, apart from when he gets sent off. Joe Linton's pretty much been in the team. Willock has been outstanding. When you play with better players, you get your better performances. And I think the, the moment that summed it up for me, and we'll move, I'm going to, you're going to love this, I'm going to pass it on from one award to another. That performance against Southampton in the second leg, Sam, was outstanding. And the two goals that he got, if there was one person deserved to take Newcastle United to a, Cup final at Wembley, it was the local lad. So tell me all about it, Sam. <sighs> One nil after the first leg, thanks to Joe Linton. You know, could have been more, could have been could have been less. Southampton had that goal disallowed, didn't they? In the first leg. But yeah, nervous going into it, weren't we? Just because it was typical Newcastle United, and we were still nervous at the end of it when Southampton needed two goals in two minutes to take it to extra time. That's just what we're tuned to be like now. And the way he just killed the tie-off in the first, what, 15, 20 minutes with two goals, two brilliant, well-worked goals. Um, just living the dream. Living the dream. And you had a great time, didn't you, after the full-time whistle? I won't be Tell me Tell me We're going to Wembley. My favourite part of that was you were not giving that mic up. For, you were keeping that mic on yourself for love and the money. You were not getting anyone else's singing voice at all on there. That was that was all about... You've been spending too many evenings on the karaoke at Cozy Joe's. You're just Allegedly. an absolute microphone hog. But, um, yeah, I shed a tear at the end of that game. I'm not going to lie. Is that because you were so unwell? I was so unwell, but um, the the yeah the the yeah the emotion of getting to a cup final and um, playing Kesarar Sarar at the end of the at the end of the game and the players scenes on the pitch the players were feeling it guys like Dan Byrne and, and, and Sean as we say it just it just meant everything didn't it and just like we were confident 
we booked our hotel. Was it before or after the Leicester quarterfinal? I think it was just just after. No, yeah, just after because the draw was that same night. No, I tell a lie. The draw was the following night, and yeah. then we decided when the draw yeah. happened, we were like, "Yeah, we'll do it." Because Southampton beat Manchester City, so in another parallel universe somewhere, City would have just obviously beaten Southampton because, of course, they should. And then we would have probably locked over the two legs, and you know, that would never have happened. But you know, it, it was Nathan meant to happen. Jones, Nathan Jones stopped the quadruple. Yeah, I mean, the guy's an absolute nutcase, but <laughs> he'll always have that. But that that I mean, so we had our Wembley weekend, which which was an honour and a privilege, which leads us nicely to your moment. It was the monkey off the back for Newcastle United. We'd, we'd never been to the new Wembley in a cup game. We've obviously taken on Spurs a couple of times, which was a bit of an anti-climax, if I'm going to be honest. I went to the first game, Lee went to the second game against Tottenham. And as much as it was nice to go to Wembley, and it was a place that I've worked actually for, for a summer, it was lovely to see Newcastle play there, but it wasn't the same. It was different. It was felt like we hadn't played there before. It was, it was foreign. And I think that showed in terms of the actual match because... Like I say, you had an interview with MUTV at nine o'clock in the morning. There was a couple of fans, not too many. But as the as the day progressed, it was like 95%, 96% Newcastle fans and the rest were Man United fans. And I think their experience of Wembley weekends kind of showed they were like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll pop along an hour before, have a picture outside Wembley, go and just treat it as a normal game, where we did treat it like as an event, as an occasion, almost like an NFL type of occasion, if you like. And it started for us on the, on the Friday night, in Derby, um, <laughs> that's my yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, see, this is what happens. I scratch his back and he scratches my back occasionally. So, if I can't go to Everton away, for example, yeah, but like, you know, you, you, like people think, Oh, you're in the Midlands, Sam. Derby's not far from you. It's still over an hour that I had to go and pick you up because your train was cancelled and you couldn't go to Stafford, which is 10 minutes from my house. You could have gone to Burton. <laughs> well, that doesn't make any difference, really. Burton's still just under an hour. Um, but yeah, I, I came and picked you up from Derby at 10 o'clock at night. And then we left first thing Saturday, didn't we? And I, uh, if we'd have won... It would have been the perfect weekend. But, you know, I had such a great time with you and Lee and um, um, meeting the Chronicle lads and Raul down at um, the Dolphin. Um, what was your favourite moment of the weekend? Because mine was Trafalgar Square. That first moment where you just saw what was happening at Trafalgar Square nice. was just euphoric. And we, you'll get a bit of a taste of this now. Join me in Trafalgar Square in the most surrealist of atmosphere. The Geordies have taken over. There must be at least 10,000 people here. You will never see the light. It is absolutely unbelievable here. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. What do you make of this? Uh, we've been here since about... Five o'clock, just watching it get heaving, 
it's unbelievable. It's it just surpasses what you could ever imagine. It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Like you, you said, like a first kiss, better than a first, kiss. better than your first shag. Can you even remember that there's a cup final to be played tomorrow? No, and uh, and to be honest with you, it's it's just, just it's incredible. Like it's hard to not get emotional. Like we're going to Wembley, and it's it's a crazy. Like listen, listen to the fans. We're, we're, we're off to Wembley. Ring your Mars, tell them we'll be on for two. Yeah, it, we, we we weren't home for a tea. We weren't home for our Sunday dinner <laughs> for that weekend, but. It was, an, it was an amazing weekend. I, I, that's where I thought, as a fan base, we peaked. Was 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 the Trafalgar Square moment? And if I had, if I could have done my day different on the Sunday, I would have gone to King's Cross, and I would have just kind of floated in with all the Newcastle fans around about lunchtime, and then gone to Wembley and done we it had, that way. We had media commitments. No, I know we did, and that, don't get me wrong. You you done stuff with um, your TV. I think I think Lee done stuff out of. I have LBC. LBC. Didn't you? Didn't you do talk sport as well? Yeah. So we were kind of busy again. I did say that like, it, it. It was one of those occasions, and you see, we met up with John Anderson, and and yeah, uh, it just like just little things like Razor as well. It was good to see Razor, and even just speaking to him and going Lee Clark. Him, Lee Clark was brilliant as well. Yeah, but I think it, for me, only the only thing was missing was a win. And God knows what would have happened if we did win. But you know what? I wouldn't have made it again. <laughs> yeah, we did have to get up very early, and like we'd 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 had a good drink on Saturday, haven't we? And that was oh, Saturday, as you say, we peaked. You did completely forget that we had a cup final the next day. But like, I had a great time at the Dolphin. Great people, um, and then going to Trafalgar Square, you were like a giddy little child that was dizzy on lemonade because you had to like Lee was. Uh, we'd 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 called into like the Tesco in Piccadilly Circus or whatever. Well, got a crate a of, wiser, wasn't it? Yeah, got a crate of beer, um, which I carried. Lee was carrying all the gear to film, and then you didn't offer to carry anything. Um, it's fine. And then you said, oh, "I've got to run ahead. I've got to go and see." So you did. Me and Lee were lagging behind, lugging all the all the gear. <laughs> And then you come running back five minutes later, going, "It's amazing! It's amazing! It's amazing!" Uh, and then, like you just, but was that right? Like, yeah, you walked around the corner and then towards it, and you could just hear the noise being generated. And then, like some of the fav- my favorite photos I've ever taken was from that night where there was like um, smoke flares going off, and it was like creating a nice mist um, behind Big Ben in the distance and whatever. It was very photogenic, um, picturesque and whatnot. And, like, I had to – I actually stopped drinking at Trafalgar Square. One, because I had a dodgy burger from Burger King. So I had a dicky Tommy. <laughs> and two, I just, like – and I know Carl was the same. You were just like, I just have to take this in properly. So, like, after that, I, I went for a little wander around. <laughs> just <laughs> – um yeah it was I've, I've, I've never experienced anything like it it was yeah it was amazing it, yeah it was it's just a shame we couldn't get the get the result but the next time we're in a final we will win it i'm sure of that that, that will help us that experience will help us because these players have now experienced it now and the vast majority have never really 
won trophies in their career. Kieran Trippier probably been one exception who did well at Atletico. Um, there's nobody really else that had won trophies in their career. And it, it, I think it showed on the day. Casemiro was probably the best player on the pitch for, for the final, which killed me inside because I think, you know, we, 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 just, we just lacked a bit of cup final experience. But we well, will return and we'll be back from that. In the Chronicle talking with Bob Moncur and whatnot, who was the only person in the whole place who said they would have started Isaac instead of Wilson? This guy. I, I, I have to be honest. I, 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 I kind of, again, this, this is probably showing my naivety. I just wasn't, not that I wasn't bothered, of course I wasn't bothered, but I think we all, we all, we all knew the team. And I, I still don't think starting Callum Wilson yeah, is a Yeah, but that was the thing. problem because, like, it, the cup final came at the worst time of the season for us, didn't it? We we can both agree on that. And Wilson, again, not about like I said with, with Sean Longstaff, you know, doesn't make you a bad player that you're out of form. But Wilson was out of form. You had your record signing on the bench. Play him. He's really, really good at football, which we then saw a few weeks later when he did get the game time and he was absolutely killing it. Do you think it was just a bit too early for Isak to play a full 90 or, or 75? No. Because he was, but I think for me, I think I think how, and I, th- I think you've seen this towards the back end of the season in some games. I think how would have started Isak if Isak was fit. And I think he would have dropped Callum Wilson, or worst case scenario, you put Isak in the left, which I'm not a massive fan of. I'd prefer Isak in the middle. And if that, and if that means dropping Callum Wilson, yeah. you drop Callum Wilson, which is just one of the yeah. bugbears that I have as a, as a as a fan support in the club. But that's, that is one thing. But we've, we've spoken so much about this point. We have to look into the future and stop looking at the past, even though the past is amazing. The 2022-23 season is a season that I remember as one of the best, if not the best as a fan. I can think of 0102, 0203, 11-12. They're my kind of like top three before this season. But this one is certainly up there, if not the best. But that's probably a debate for another day. But let's move on to predictions for 2023 2024 and Sam I'll, I'll start because I think you need to you know get ready to kind of go like this and you know get the you know tell me I was right so I'll put mine first and then I'll let you go on because you what, the one that you've had to there. change because Jude yeah. Bellingham's gone to Real Madrid <laughs> how good would Jude Bellingham and a Newcastle team would be I just think he'd be absolutely immense I think at 19 you could sign him on a 12-year contract and pay 110 million quid and financial fair play wouldn't give a shit but we have to move on. He would have been my ideal signing, my dream signing. But my dream signing now, after doing a little bit more homework, is Theo Hernandez because I think he is what we call the modern day fullback. He is so attacking minded. Now, my predicament when I did the video on Newcastle Fans TV, and please give it a watch, was the, the, the speculation in regards to Hernandez and Chiesa potentially being of interest of Newcastle United. Now, it is going to be a tough deal to do because. I don't think Newcastle have got 75 million to spend, but I think they have got a bit more. But to kind of almost take all your budget on Tenali and Hernandez, you'd have to sell somebody really to kind of get more players in to really you know bulk up the squad, which I think Newcastle will do to an extent, but we will see what happens with that. However, from what I've seen from Hernandez, you can't not be impressed. I, I think he again. He is so attacking minded, but he can defend. He can defend. I think he can improve his defending, um, especially one on one. However, in terms of positionally, in terms of going forward, I think he would flourish. And there has been times last last season, which we have to say now, where if Hernandez is in that position rather than a Dan Burn, 
we would have got more chances, which would have led to more goals. And could you imagine the link up with an ASM and a Hernandez or even an Isaac and a Hernandez if you have to do that? It, for me, and I think we'd just he get would... absolutely suckered on the counter attack. Potentially, but there's no doubt in the quality of the player. And I think mm. I think Eddie Howe's shown that he can improve players with so with so many examples. And I think he will he could be a one that Newcastle United should try and do as much as they can to try and get him to St. James's Park. That would be fantastic. It's going to be a tough deal to do, but you never know. Money does talk and we might be able to get it done. However, Sam, I think it's about time you you know, get those shoulders out, chest out, and explain the man that you've spoken about. It was Alexander Isaac last year and this year you possibly could be right again of your dream signing. Tell me all about your dream signing. Yeah, I said it three years ago. I said it last year. I said it this year again. But Sandro Tonali was the midfielder for me that I wanted to see through Newcastle's door. Um, like I said with Alex Isak um, last summer. Like, getting the takeover was something else. But then, like, within 18 months, two years or whatever, them signing you two dream players for your team. Out of nowhere, like it's not like they're really obvious players, like oh Messi and Mbappe, whatever. How does Tonali improve Newcastle? For the fan that doesn't watch Italian football like me every week, how 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 does he improve this Newcastle team, and what we, what we what will we see from Tonali in the Newcastle shirt? First thing first, what you can't do is pigeonhole him as a defensive midfielder or as a CDM, as my six-year-old son calls it, because he plays FIFA. On his thing, look, I'm doing, I'm showing Switch, Nintendo thing. Um, so, Declan Rice is going for what? Hundred million, and the rest. Sandro Tonali is better than Declan Rice. Big statement. No, it's not. It's not to me. It's not. It's it's just an obvious one. He's he, he's. So I mean, I appreciate a few years ago we were all saying Sean Longstaff is better than Declan Rice, but Sandro Tonali is better than Declan Rice. There is no two ways about it. Um, he can do it all. He can ping a pass. His passing ability is filth. Um, he, he he will. I think how if if how does stick with a four three three? Although there's rumours floating around social media, so they must be true that we may switch to four two three one. Um, but whatever. If 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 we stick with the four three three, then I would expect him to sit in front of that back four, but not as just your archetype defensive midfielder to like Makaleli was back in the day. Um he can do box to box, he can do he can do it all. He can do it all. And to yeah, have great him set, great great set piece apart from what I've seen. Yeah, delivery like like I say, passing ability crossing ability like for you for your set pieces he's got it all and the fact that we're getting him alongside Bruno Gimaraes in our midfield that's hmm there's only Man City with a stronger midfield and ours will compete with theirs second game of the season that the Etihad had is Manchester City versus Newcastle United that will be interesting to see the one thing I will say he will need time because, you know, young Italian coming from, from Serie A, different pace to the game, isn't there? He will need time to adapt and adapt he will. But with Eddie Howe, he doesn't rush them. He gives them time. 
Bruno got a bit of time, didn't he? The only one who didn't really was Isaac um, because that was out of necessity with Callum Wilson's injuries. But Tonali is... I just can't believe we're getting him for, for, for our midfield when we've already got like a Bruno in there. It, it's, it's incredible. We, we, will, we will have never have had this stronger midfield in the Premier League era. Can I ask you a question then? If Tonali mm. improves our midfield, why do you think we'll only finish in the top seven next year? Because when I did this, I didn't know we were signing Tonali. He was my dream signing. And and I, what I will say is, I'd be happy with top seven still. Because I think we're so early into this into this project, which I hate that terminology because it's a football team league. So to consolidate European football when we're going to be competing on all fronts because we're going to want to try and win the Carabao Cup. We're going to want to try and win the FA Cup. We're going to want to try and get out of the group in the Champions League. If we don't, we want to finish third to get in the Europa League because there's no shame in that. Um, so to consolidate European football, I think would be a fantastic achievement. I don't want to get carried away. I'm enjoying the ride. Always have. Um but yeah, to, to consolidate European football, for me, I'm happy if that happens. Um, Will the ownership I, I, be happy? I, do you know what? Before Al Ramayan's interview the other day, I'd have said yes. But when he comes out and says, yeah, I expected top four, that made me think, hmm, that's a bit, I wonder if how was had a bit of internal pressure on him. Maybe that was the remit all along that we don't know about. It just made me second guess a little bit. I'm not saying that's the case. Um, and of course it was job done anyway. So what I don't want to happen is like, we have a bit of a poor start to the season because we're, we, we've got a tough opening few games, haven't we? And we've got, we'll have champions league distractions and this, that, and the other. I just don't want us to turn on the manager, which I don't think we will, but I, it, it's just in the back of my mind, that's all. But yeah, to consolidate European football um, is, is would be admirable, in my opinion, but you've gone slightly more ambitious. I would have said unrealistic a couple of years ago. I would have said unrealistic at the start of this, the start of last season, in terms of the progression of the football club. I think if I'm being honest, what would have I taken at the start of the season? I think I would have taken anything from eighth higher. Mm. I think eighth. I think eighth would have been. That's fair enough. I can kind of see what we're doing. You know, eleventh to eighth is a good progression, and then you go eighth to maybe sixth or fifth. If you, if you we all were thinking, oh, seventh yeah. conference league would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. A little bit what Villa have done. Let's be honest. Look, if you look at Villa, yeah. they got seventh, a seventh place, and I think if Newcastle fans had the season like Villa did. You'd be, yeah, we'll, we'll take that. You know, finishing seventh, finishing the conference league on the final day, it'd have been a good buzz and X, Y, and Z. But of course, the season's been so much better than that. And I've done, I'm so glad that we had the season that we did and we didn't have what Villa had in the end. But I think what reassured me that I think we can still finish in the top four next season. And I kind of have to caveat that as well because, because of how the Champions League is going to be from the following season in terms of the Swiss model, it's going to be effectively a top five that are going to be in the Champions League from now on because of the fact that an extra spot goes to the two top nations and England are comfortably number one. So it looks like the top five are going to be playing in the Champions League. Is that too many teams in one country? That's a different, that's a different uh, conversation to have. However, 
it is, I, but top like when they brought in four, four was too many, and like before it was only the league winner, then it was top two when we got in it first time round. So that's just, just the way things are. It is, of course, it is. I, what I would say about the Newcastle finishing in the top four, and I do think we'll finish either fourth or higher, because when you look at the clubs that had a bad, a bad season last season, your Liverpools, your Tottenham's, and your Chelsea's. Chelsea is such a massive rebuild that I don't think it'll take them one season to Pochettino to get them back into the top four contention. Spurs are such a mess, and I think with or without Harry Kane, finishing top four is a massive ask for Ange Postacoglu. I think he's a good manager, but I don't think he's that good of a manager. And Liverpool are probably the biggest threat to that out of, out of, the, out of the three teams I've mentioned. But I think the one thing with Liverpool, I, I, I do worry because they can attract players they've got money in the sense that they've been in the Champions League for so many years that they still have that, that money and I know being in the Europa League is going to hamper them a little bit but I look at Man United and I look at Arsenal Man, we should have finished with Man United and will mm-hmm. Arsenal just will Arsenal be as good as they were last season I don't think so do I think we'll finish with both them probably not but I think we can finish above Man United I think Liverpool might be the one that we again might be a 50-50 flip of a coin but the way that Newcastle are progressing and the way that Newcastle want to be, they want to be winning Premier Leagues, they want to be in the Champions League every season, I think they can do it again. And I think it all depends how Newcastle treat this transfer window because they need six players in, in my opinion. Six players makes your bench so much stronger that if you're bringing on a show like a Sean Longstaff and Anthony Gordon off the bench, you're happy and you're content. And I think that's why Newcastle don't have to be going into the start of uh, September when the transfer window shuts. Um, We'll move on to cups, and we had to do a prediction of, of in terms of obviously both cup competitions or what our best chance would be of winning a cup competition. I'll start this one off, and I'll let you continue, Sam. I I always said it's, it's a bit of a fantasy, a bit like what you had with your sentimental reason with Wolves and two one uh, in March. For me, it's to win the FA Cup, and I think Newcastle have a good chance of doing it because it's in the second half of the season. Uh, not like the fact there's going to be more more or less games. I just think. There's going to win so many competitions at the start of the season, i.e. The, the, in terms of the Premier League, the Champions League and the League Cup. I think the FA Cup could come at a good time for Newcastle. I'm not really bothered who we get in the third round draw because we've played teams in the Premier League, teams in League Two, we, we get beat. We've got beat at Sheffield Wednesday in League One. So for me, Dang just it. get through this. Exactly. Get out for me, I think you take the FA Cup, not seriously, I think that's the wrong word, but I think you think about it in a... In a your semi-finals and your finals at Wembley when you get past the fourth round. I think that's kind of where you have to go, right, we're past the fourth round now, we're into the, into the last 16. That's where you can kind of go, right, let's put all our eggs in one basket if we have to. And I think that could be an opportunity for Newcastle in terms of an FA Cup. And I'd, maybe, I'd love to take my dad to an FA Cup final and just to see us win the FA Cup because he took me to FA Cup's games back in the uh, when I was a kid. So that'd be nice uh, in terms of the sentimental thing for, for the FA Cup. But you don't think we'll be as good Again, like I could sugarcoat everything, but I just think like a quarter final of the FA Cup or the Europa League, in my opinion. I'm just trying to be a bit realistic. Um, I don't think we'll have a Carabao Cup run um, this this season because we're in the Champions League as well. Um, so I think that would probably take priority over the Carabao Cup. So I do agree with you what you say. I think the FA Cup is a, is a more um, promising proposition, um, and I think we'll have a good cup run again, um, which for me a quarter final is. Um, 
it'd be nice to get to the semi-final of the FA Cup, I suppose, wouldn't it? Because that's a, that's a Wembley weekend, which I don't really like. Yeah, I agree. Because that should be somewhere neutral, like Villa it was Park, back Hillsborough, in the day. Old Trafford, places like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, quarterfinals still still good, but I, I just think we're fighting on all fronts. We're inexperienced still. As, as a squad, we've we've experienced a lot for the last 12 months, but now we've got to cope with what we've achieved and um, how to build on it. So, look, again, I'm not, you know, I don't see a quarterfinal thing as, as a bad bad thing at all. I think that compared to, so long as like the third round draw doesn't come out and we play in Stevenage and then your heart just sinks. But, um, yeah, quarterfinal for me, I think, is um, pretty realistic, pretty achievable. We'll see. We will see. The next two, me and Sam have actually agreed on both. So, Sam, I'll give yeah. you the pleasure of talking about Alexander Isa being the one to watch, and then I'll mention something about Eddie Howe, if you like. Yes, um, Isaac for me, you keep him fit, and then he'll score 20 goals next season for me. Um, to, to get the return we got out of him last season when he had such a, a stop-start, stop-start, you know, beginning to his Newcastle career after wearing us all at Anfield um, when he was just thrown in. Um, he's the real deal, as I've said, for 12 months. So if we can keep him fit, I, there's no doubt in my mind he'll score 20-plus goals next season. But he has to stay fit because he is one hell of a player. And like there was times towards the end of last season when he was in full flow and you think, bloody hell, that is Thierry Henry. Like Everton away when he made that run for Murphy's goal, I was genuinely stood in the lower tier of the away end at Goodison and I was literally like this. Can I ask you one question about Alexander Isak? Mm, yes, you can ask me two if you really want to. Now, my big question is, if Alexander is Alexander Isak is not world-class by the end of this season, is that proving us wrong? No. Jesus, give it a chance. No, the only reason why I ask, because I think we've we've put him on such a pedestal, the pair of us, and we've seen mm, glimpses of how... I've, 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 he's the one to watch. We haven't mentioned Bruno. We haven't mentioned X, Y, and Z of other players. We've, we've singled out him for a particular reason, because we, I, we've had this conversation before. We think this kid can be world-class. It's we now, is it? Um, yeah, well, it uh, was you to start with, and then you've been watching, watching him week in, week out with performances. What I yeah, think his biggest, his biggest strength, his biggest strength is how well he keeps the ball and how direct he is, in my opinion. Yeah, considering his frame, he's adapted, he's adapting, he's adapted to the Premier League because he was being pushed off the ball, um, a lot when he first came in when he was just chucked in, but still, when he was chucked in. Before he got injured, his goal return was uh, what was it, two and four, three and six, some like it was a yeah, goal every other game, wasn't it? It was one in two, he was averaging pretty much. So, look, if he stays fit, we're in for one hell of a treat next season. Um, yeah, he is the real deal, he certainly is. He certainly is. It'll be an interesting season for. Alexander Isak and yeah, will Eddie House still be in charge this time next year? Was the second to last question, and me and well, Sam and I both agree. We we believe he will be. It's difficult because I think next season, if you ask the board what is success, 
for Newcastle United, I think it would be Champions League qualification in a trophy from the board's expectation. I think the fans' expectations are probably slightly less as a collective if you put in a big... When was big that ever box, the case? In a big ticky box, what's kind of successful for you as a fan? I think the majority of Newcastle fans will say Europe again and a cup run slash cup victory. And expand and the think, stadium. <laughs> which I think will happen in time. Like I said, that's a different that's a different video altogether or a different podcast altogether rather. But um, Eddie Howe can be trusted to do a good job for Newcastle United. Last season, well, the season before now, can you keep this team up? Did it absolutely perfectly. He couldn't have done it much better, let's be honest. 11th in the table, nearly got Newcastle to the top half. And that was the first tick in the box. The second tick in the box, can he improve this Newcastle United team to be potentially going into the Conference League slash Europa League and maybe and maybe see what we're like in the Cups? The one thing I love about Eddie Howe, he's just treating everything so seriously and he just wants success so badly. And he's treating us actually as a proper football club. Like a, and I mean, and I mean this in the greatest of respect as an elite football club, because elite football clubs want to win every single game. Where Newcastle were getting patronised, we would go to places like Crystal Palace and Arsenal. Oh, you've got such a great fan base. I love Newcastle. People don't like Newcastle anymore, and that's mm. class because it means that when have you ever? When have you ever seen us get booed off after we've lost? I don't. I don't think. I don't think Newcastle United have been booed off this season. I think I've only booed them once no, this field. season. Not even at, no, we clapped them off at we clapped them off at Sheffield no. Wednesday. The Liverpool fans booed us off at Anfield. Yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah, so I thought you said the Newcastle fans did. I think I, I think the only time I've booed Newcastle this season was Bournemouth at home. Because I just didn't think they played very well at all. And that's it was flat, wonderful. wasn't it? Yeah, but that was for so many, for obviously the Queen's death and everything. But both um, games against Bournemouth actually were pretty naff. Yeah, I, I didn't think we played well. I, I did. That's the only game I booed this season was Bournemouth at home. But um, I it's, haven't it's probably, it's probably booed was, at all. It's probably, Eddie, if you're watching, yeah. But I think the one thing I will say is is that he's never like sugarcoated Newcastle's run to success, but as in. When we've won games, well, it's going to end soon. It's going to end. He's like, he's always he's saying, actually, you know, we could have got more points. We could have got two more points against Crystal Palace, two more points against Bournemouth at home if we, you know, scored early on. And there's possibilities where we could have maybe have even been in a title race for a short spell. The club, obviously, the, the, the side wasn't good enough for a title race and no one expected us. But we were certainly just kind of just outside the conversation at certain aspects of um, at some point in the season before we played Arsenal. I think we were second in the league. So it tells you that we weren't a million miles off it. Um, but all I will say is, is that there will be internal pressure, but I don't think there'll be pressure from the fans this season unless it gets really, really bad. No, but I just he's don't got, think it will, Sam. He's got a lot of good credit in the bank, hasn't he? So unless we're down the relegation yeah. places in November, December, he's he's going to be fine. After he saved us from relegation... The, just the leaps and bounds and strides he's come on, like as we've mentioned earlier, these players that that were here under under Bruce and under Rafa, even with Cher and Sean and Almiron, um, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, hopefully he will be in charge this time next year. Before we move on to the last point, Sam, will Eddie Howe end the cup drought 
and the cup hoodoo? Will he be the Newcastle manager that wins Newcastle a cup? I hope so. I hope so because he'd 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 deserve it. He really would. And what's 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 kind of thinking? Why are you thinking? Oh, I'm not too sure. Because you never know for sure. It's Newcastle, isn't it? So Bobby Robson couldn't do it. And he's one of the greatest human beings of all time. So, all right. But when you think about it, so Bobby Robson never signed a player over £10 million. Um, we've, we've got funds available and we're signing the right players. We've got a great manager, management coaching team and back backroom team. We came so close already. Yeah, he, why, could, he really, feel, why does that why does that not fill you with more he confidence? Could, he could, he really could, but you just never because it's football and you never know. But yeah, I hope he does because he deserves it. And um yeah, I'd yeah, I just I just hope um we get off to a good start next season and um the the board and uh, the fans stick with him, which I'm I'm sure they will. I think he will. I think he will be the man that wins the Newcastle United the trophy because I just don't see how he can't. In unlimited funds, nearly you'll get you'll get the you'll get some big big players every single transfer window, and that team will improve and it will we'll get to a stage where we just we it, it almost would be impossible for us not to win a cup. But we'll see. We will see what happens. And the final question is: surprise of next season. Yours is a little bit pessimistic if i do say so no 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 the statement seems pessimistic so yes elaborate elaborate granted um the the statement is pessimistic but it's not in it's not meant to be pessimistic whatsoever i think we sign another center back this summer so i think fabian share will no longer be by sort of october november time i don't think he'll be first choice center back with botman anymore because i think we will sign a new one this summer, and if you sign a new one, we're no longer just signing players for for numbers, are we? We're signing to improve the team and make the squad more competitive. So that's what that statement means. Love Fabian Share to bits. Um, brilliant, fantastic, but. I think we sign someone next season and, and he'll be his replacement. And just remember, Cher hasn't probably got too long left at the top. Same as Callum Wilson. They're, they're, they're the kind of wrong side of 30 now, aren't they? So um, that's when you kind of, when you hit 32, 33, that's when your kind of peak years are done, aren't they? So I have no are doubt. Speaking, are, you speaking, are, you speak, are you speaking from experience, are you? Well, I'm 33, so I'm still there or thereabouts um, in my prime. So, yeah, I, I've no doubt in my mind Dan Ashworth's already probably earmarked a, a centre-back to, to to go and get. So, we'll see. And finally... Uh, which centre, Adam asks which centre-back. Uh, members can find out which uh, centre-backs I have recommended because I did a members video. Hit the link in the description. Isn't that lovely? And that lovely for all you lovely members out there. Um, my surprise of the season is actually how good Newcastle United are in terms of a general scale, because we will be playing against Europe's best next season, and I think we'll hold our own. I think we will. 
I think we will go to games whether we play a Real Madrid, a Bayern Munich, a Napoli, whoever we play, one of the Milan teams. I think for Newcastle United, we will showcase ourselves as that we're actually a good team and we're actually better than what people actually better than what we think we are. Now I know the stand base can sometimes get you know a bad reputation for how what's the word how influenced we are in terms of how good Newcastle are at times, but. I think there's a genuine reason for it next season because I think we will showcase how good we are. I think we'll showcase how good some of our players are in terms of against Europeans be- at Europe's best. And I think especially at St. James as well. Wow, 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 wow. If you're one of the lucky 52,000 people is in, inside that ground for a Champions League night, it's worth the entrance fee. It really, really is. But it's going to be exciting next season. It's going to be absolutely enthralling and exhilarating and if it's if it's anything like it was last season or anything better than it was last season, Newcastle United probably will be celebrating a cup win. But what cup will it be? That will be the interesting thing. The Saudi Cup will, again. Will we will we be at Wembley on the first of June, Samuel, in a Champions League final? No, maybe maybe for the FA Cup a few weeks before. But let's not get carried away. I'm gonna get. Can we get carried away for 15 seconds? For 15 seconds, can we get carried away? If we are on the Champions League final at Wembley, will you be at that cafe that you watched the cup final against Man United? Yes. <laughs> I tell you what. I think I, I don't think I'd cope. I don't think I'd cope. They get up Trafalgar Square. I think I'll be just putting a straight jacket into that final because I don't think it'll happen, but you never know. Um, but yeah, this has been an excellent episode of the Green and Morning Show because we get to talk about all the good things of Newcastle United and a couple of little surprises along the way. And we have so many good podcasts coming up. Oh, so we've got some great, we've actually got some, we've got three really good confirmed guests, which are. Uh, July members is. Know. A massive month for the Greenwood and Mulliner show. We've got some amazing guests booked in. We really have. So July is going to be very, very special. And tonight, this is episode 150. So it's been quite nice just to have a chilled uh, chilled vibe and look back at what has been an amazing 12 months. Yeah. We always say this, but what will the next 12 months bring? We will see. Big thanks to everybody that has watched on YouTube tonight. But again, a big thanks to all our listeners on the Green and Among the Show podcast, where there are so many different ways you can listen to this podcast. So we do thank you so much for doing so. If you are watching on YouTube, give us a little like as well. That would be greatly appreciated. If you could subscribe to Newcastle Fans TV, that would be lovely. Be absolutely fantastic. From Sam and I, we'll see you all very soon. Love you. Bye. <laughs>